Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Rob, I couldn't figure out what to call it. I, I, off-season edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast? I don't know what to call these things anymore. We're still the Baby Bowl, right? I think so, right? Yeah, so still, still Baby Bowl. I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about recording and how we, we went over the recap. We already went kind of through the preview and, you know... We don't really have much much baby bowl specific to talk, but I mean, we'll still call it the baby bowl podcast. Oh, I thought about though for the baby bowl because the NFL released their schedules today, and I don't want to. I, mm. I, I looked at it a little bit. I'm I'm really sad. I think the Bears are going to lose sixteen games. Uh, eighteen <laughs> is eighteen games. I don't know how many they're going to lose. Uh, but I, I looked at it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start drawing up my baby bowl plans. I'm going to and I'm like, Wes, you're overthinking. You just said last week not to overthink it. Just play the studs. And of course, we want to play studs and good matchups. But I was trying to think, okay, how am I going to space this out? Because if this good matchup is here, and then I'm like, Wes. You just got to concentrate on the. I, mean, I was overthinking it, Rob. I was overthinking it already. Yeah, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. Once, and especially when you have so much time uh, to oh, think boy. about it, you can uh, overthink it back and forth. Yeah, but you know that's not why my cup of tea. I'm not a good thinker, so I try not to overthink it, Rob. But <laughs> uh, you, uh, you can find Rob Norton at Norton zero seven two three over on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as well at Loafinet. Don't forget to follow the show. And if I today with a little underscore and Rob, I sent you something earlier today because we are treating our listeners, our loyal listeners, we are treating them to something called Prize Picks. Have you heard of Prize Picks, Rob? I have heard of it. I have heard of it, and. I've kind of uh, played around a little bit with it, but we're not allowed. It's not uh, legal in Ohio yet, unfortunately. Well, I'm going to get on top of that. I'm going to try and get it up there in Ohio. I'm going to try to make it, it right before the football season. I know they're working hard behind the scenes. Uh, Joe over there at Prize Picks and, and, and his whole crew, they're working hard at the, on the scenes to be able to bring Prize Picks to a place where you are. I didn't think it was down here in Alabama either. And when I, when I downloaded the app, boom, it was right there. And I was able to do things, and the reason why is because it's a DFS site more so than it is any kind of other site. And it's really a lot of prop bets is what I like to think it. But it's not just prop bets. It's it's over under, and and let me tell you, they they love to give money away, Rob. And for our listeners, if they use the code FI today, FI today as a sign up code, then they Prize Picks will match their deposit. Their first-time deposit, they will match it 100%. No matter what you want to put in there, they will match it 100%. And I can't wait to really get into the football season because what one of the things PricePix does with the best I, I, the best is they love to give away money on contest. They gave me $25 the other day just to spend on whatever I wanted to spend it on. And if I won, it would be refunded back to me. Like, like you know, it had to be my $25, right? But if I, I had to place a $25 wager, and if I won, I got to keep it. If I lost, they got to refund the money back to me. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win. Win-win. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime you're getting uh, free money like that, you might as well... Take a take a shot on it, right? Yeah, I, no, I did. I took a shot, and who was it? Who was it? It was um, Javier Baez. This is two nights ago. Javier Baez leading off for Detroit in a great pitching matchup, whereas BB, BVP, which is you know bat, batters versus pitchers, he he was I don't know three hundred against this guy, and I'm like, huh, all I got to do is get half a half a run or half a RBI out of him, and I'm in. I'm in, right? Came up one short. Four out of five is what I got. I ended up uh, cashing out 50, 50 bucks, I believe. I, I would have had 250 if it wasn't for Javier Baez that night. 
Mm, that, those are always the ones that, uh, especially when you're so close to it like that, like that it's uh, always the ones that hurt. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, but what we want to do here is with that code FI today, Rob and I are going to talk this out. It's the NFL futures is what we're going to do. That's one of the part of this shows is we're going to talk out the NFL futures for passing yards, maybe some rushing yards, maybe some receiving yards. I think we can really cash in on these passing yards, Rob, though, whenever I was looking at it earlier. And Rob, I know you don't have access to prize picks. So we're going to talk it out without you knowing what it is. We're going to come up with a number, and then we're going to uh, uh, compare it to what Prize Picks has to offer. And that'll be easy, easy pickings for not only me, but also our listeners out there, Rob. So I'll thank you in advance for all your knowledge. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> we're also going to go over MLB stuff here real quick uh, for us because we have not talked MLB a lot in, you know, you and I haven't talked a lot, but I know you're really into MLB. Last week we got into it a little bit, and um, since that time, I don't think Roddy Telez has gotten one hit. I don't I don't think he did that. Uh, <laughs> that 90 homered or somebody homered, so so that was one of the fun things to do. But I, I want to look at the standings to what Pierre and I usually do over here together, but tonight Pierre and I got to make some uh, DFS lineups together, and so I said, boy, I'm going to get to get with I'm going to get with Rob later on, and we'll go over the standings. We'll go over some of the player stats because I want to hear Rob's input on these things. Yeah, Sounds that's good. perfect. That's perfect. Have you? What, do you keep up with the stats? How do you do this? Because I used to do it almost every day in the newspaper, the USA Today. Okay, old school, huh? Yeah. Um, in terms of like the league leaders and things like that, I don't necessarily uh take a look at those too often but being um being in you know so many fantasy leagues and having you know so many players across so many leagues i kind of have a general idea of most players Mm -hmm. where where they generally are how how well they're generally doing because i usually check you know what what players i check the box scores you know constantly every day um so i'm pretty aware of of who's doing what in general all right. Well, I, I, I'm I'm the same way. Wait, sometimes I feel like I'm like, oh, dog. Uh, I'll look at the standings and go, I didn't expect to see them that high because they don't have any good fantasy players. You know, that's not fair. There's no way they should be that high. But uh, so it surprised me every once in a while. So let's start out here in the AL East, Rob. And we will look at the New York Yankees being on top of the East, followed by Tampa Bay, followed by Toronto, Baltimore, and Boston. Boston is all the way down there at the bottom, Rob. They're 11 and 20, 11 and a half games behind the Yankees. Very surprising for me to see the Boston Red Sox that far down there below Baltimore. Yeah, that that one was really surprising. I did not expect that. And that's one of those that way you were talking about where, you know, when you're following the players more than the teams themselves, I, you know, just knowing that Baltimore is not good, I would have just guessed Baltimore had a worse record than Boston. But I know Boston had been struggling a bit. Um, like Trevor Story had, had been, sure. you know, has, has a rough start to his Boston career here. And, uh, so I knew I knew Boston had been struggling a little bit, but yeah, I I definitely didn't uh, expect them to be that low. I expect them to move up ahead of Baltimore sooner than later. Yeah, I would think so. I would hope so. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they are two and eight over their last ten in the AL Central. Minnesota, who I would have thought was in first place, but they sure are, and they've been sitting there for quite some time. It feels like now uh, they're there at eighteen and fourteen. White Sox are one and a half games back. Cleveland two games back. Kansas City six games back. And Detroit, surprisingly enough, only nine games back, even though they're nine and twenty-three. Uh, that that 
the whole division right there just looks pretty weak to me right now, Rob. Whenever you think of Detroit being only nine games back, and but they're sitting at nine and twenty-three. Right, for sure. And you know they're the second worst team I think in all of baseball right now, and they're only nine games back. This this division was kind of talked about as being weak a bit heading in. A lot of people, even even from a fantasy aspect, it was kind of like if you were you know targeting pitchers yeah take the white Sox pitchers or the twins mm-hmm. pitchers and you know they're going to get to feast on the on the on the guardians the royals the tigers uh all year so um and it's kind of been for the most part kind of how it's how it's gone i mean white Sox have struggled a little bit more than people expected i think but also got to take into account lance lynn hurt before the year mm-hmm. Um, they didn't re-sign Carlos Rodon, who's who's off to an incredible start, and then uh, Giolito was hurt to start the year as well. So I still expect them to be, you know, ch- uh, challenging for the division and probably win the division by the year's end. Yeah, eight and two over their last ten. Oh, uh, down in the AL West, Houston on a ten-game winning streak, starting to—I uh, don't want to say separate themselves, but man, they're twenty-one and eleven. The Angels are twenty-one and twelve, so just a half game back there. I, I don't see the talent from a fantasy perspective on the angels to be able to keep them up there towards the top. I guess I don't know if I see the talent there on the Houston team either with some of those young guys that are, that are always, uh, I don't know, coming through for them. It seems like now Seattle 14 and 18, Oakland 14 and 19 and Texas 12 and 17, seven and a half games back out of first step. What jumps out at you at the, from the AL West? Yeah, it's uh, the angels. Like you mentioned, they, they've long been a team that's kind of teased because they have, Mike Trout. They have now Otani. So they have arguably the two best players in baseball you can make an argument for. And this has long been a team that's disappointed badly over the years. Um, so I, I'm I'm actually happy to see them because I love both of those guys. So I'm, I'm sure. happy to see them competing. I want to see them uh, be competitive all year. I want to see those guys in the playoffs finally. Um, so, so that jumps out. Seattle um, was a team that looked like they were trying to go to go for more of a win now approach as well um Mm -hmm. they had some young guys come up they're aggressive with their guys kelnick is struggling though um but they they're they're a team that i've liked for a long time too and i really want to see them be competitive oakland they're interesting because they they aren't doing well but they aren't doing horrible (laughs) and they they were they were a team before the year that was just getting rid of every player they could. I mean, they were they were really, really tearing it down. I expected them to be in last place, especially after Texas. Texas has been the biggest disappointment for sure, um, being in last place in that division, considering that they went out and spent big money on two marquee names in, in uh, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, and to be 12 and 17 behind Oakland, who traded away all their best players, basically. Um, that's got to be, they're got to be disappointed right now. It, the Angels, the Angels, they got a guy named Taylor Ward, right? Yep, yep. Do they also it's, have a guy named Tyler Ward? Or, Tyler, Tyler Wade, and Taylor Ward. Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I tried to make sense of that. Like, what's every two or three days going? Wait a minute, now one of them's really good, and the other one's. Eh. But their names are the same in my head, Rob. That's my problem, yeah. I guess. They, they, I, I get them. It's funny because Taylor Ward is the one that's having an incredible season, breakout season. And, um, it's funny. I actually have him on my 
my uh, home league AL only team. And oh. every now and then when I see the the Tyler Wade, like I'll see, a, I'll check the box score and I'll see just the, the run scoring plays. And mm-hmm. I kind of see the Tyler Wade and I get excited thinking it's Taylor Ward. And then, and then, um, I mean, it's not, it's like I said, I can't be complaining too much because Ward's having an incredible season. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take those. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would too. I, I'd be a little bit confused though, uh, as it goes on. And I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one in the NL East. The New York Mets are sitting on top of that division, six and a half of games ahead of Atlanta. And Miami is uh, in third place at seven games back. Philadelphia, only seven games back for a team really struggling, in my opinion, to score any runs whatsoever, at least from the Kyle Schwarber, wherever he's batting today, uh, lineup that he put gets put in there. And then the Washington Nationals, they are 11 and 22, 11 games games back um I, I, I a great division i think is going to be a nail biter possibly I, I know i've said that the mets look like they're going to run away with that one but i atlanta's going to get hot man atlanta's going to get hot the mets are going to kind of cool off here a little bit i think from the batting standpoint uh a little bit so we're I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to be i don't think atlanta's going to go away quite as easily as i thought they were going to at the beginning of the year yeah, I feel the same way. Um, the Mets have been, like you said, the Mets have been hot. And it's surprising, too, with DeGrom not pitching right now. So, um, you know, you could make the case that they, once they get him back, if they get them back, who knows with them. And um, they could go on even even more of a tear. But Atlanta just got Acuna back recently, the past week or two. And um, so hopefully that'll, you know, start bringing the lineup together more. And they have a good, they have a pretty good staff as well when they're when they're going. So, Philadelphia has definitely been the biggest disappointment, I think, in this division, just because they've, you know, had so many big names. That lineup looks, it looks dangerous at any any given time. Um, they have a pretty solid staff, and it's just like they they're kind of like it seems like the angels of the NL, where they have these names and they just can't get it done. Yeah, it may come around. You never know. Uh, Schwarber's going to heat up. I think in June. I think Ju- June is his blast off point. I don't, at least I hope so. And I'll hold on to you as tightly as I can on my team until then, <laughs> yeah. Schwarber. Uh, Milwaukee is twenty and twelve in that NL Central. St. Louis seventeen, fourteen. Pittsburgh thirteen and eighteen. The Cubs just keep dripping and dripping and dripping down the standings. Eleven and nineteen. And Cincinnati, who Pierre and I were making a little bit of fun of there over on the DFS Dreamer podcast, they are now eight and twenty four, five and five. Over their last 10, and they are moving, I don't want to say up the ranks because they, they're still in last place, but they're doing a little bit better nowadays than what it is. I, I don't know. Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the cream of this crop, it seems like to me, Rob, and I, I just I don't know if St. Louis even has the horses to keep up with them. Yep. Again, I, I feel the same way. Milwaukee's, when you just look at that team, they're, they look so dominant, really. I mean, they have... Pitching. Pitching's yeah, got to get better. A, yeah, their pitching their pitching's been struggling a bit. They do have the guys that can that can be dominant. Like Corbin Burns obviously is, is a Cy Young contender. Brandon Woodruff has looked off so far this year, but he's another guy that can be a top five, top ten pitcher in, in, in all of baseball. So when you got those two guys at the top, plus they have some guys like Freddie Peralta, um, Aaron Ashby, different guys that can that can uh that have a lot of upside. So they and they're, the back end of their bull, bullpen too is strong with Hader and Devin Williams, um, so they they do have the guys when they're when they're going right. So plus that that lineup, it looks like Kristen Yelich is starting to look a lot healthier than he was last season. Our our guy Rowdy, um, even though he's struggling a little bit 
past few days really, but he's been, he's been, uh, you know, a nice, nice surprise for them. So they, they have, uh, I think the best team in that division. And I think they'll, they'll take it by the end of the year. I dropped Hauser, uh, one of the pitchers there from Milwaukee mm-hmm. in a dynasty league. I dropped Hauser. I just picked him up, you know, at the beginning of this year, struggling a little bit. I, I see the stats and you know even Statcast and all those things, uh, just kind of going downhill a little bit faster. I think he was w- pitching above his head. I, and I picked up Ian Kennedy. I picked up Ian Kennedy. Melanson's been struggling the last couple of outings. I, I really think Arizona, though. I, I don't understand in, nowadays some of the managerial things and I understand I don't I don't get all the analytics of things. I don't know why you have somebody like Kyle Schwarber leading off. He's not terrible, 400 OBP I think. But it, I mean, yeah, Gene Segura sitting there uh, running around in the dugout. Why not why not put him in lead off? He just looks more of a leadoffish kind of hitter and I know I got those old eyes who are used to Ricky Henderson's and stuff like that. But Kyle Schwarber batting lead off, I, I don't know, I want somebody in front of him. And then whenever I think about Melanson and how he had been being used this week after he was just injured or COVID coming off the injured COVID list, whatever it was, uh he he was just being thrown out there almost all the time. And then last night he got thrown out there in like a three three game a three three ball game or something and he got lit up uh, to me the closers elite closers maybe can handle different roles but mediocre closers like a melanson maybe even a diaz there in in new york who used to be elite but now i kind of put him in a different category they consistency for closers ha- and i think consistency for baseball players is important and they, they love to know their roles so they can be prepared to go in during those roles. I, I, maybe I'm reading that wrong, Rob. No, I think you're I think you're onto something. I think it like you said, it's it's kind of person dependent, player dependent. Um and you might be onto the fact that like if it's a you know, uh more elite relief pitcher, then he can kind of be more versatile. Whereas like a Melanson who doesn't have the kind of you know the stuff they say is you know he doesn't have the kind of repertoire to really be as versatile so he needs that preparation more more than other guys maybe or 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 anything like that i think so i think you're right in that sense and i think and i think it really comes down to you know a player by player basis both in terms of like how good they are and also just their their type of preparation and mentality I, th- I think last night at the you know middle of the eighth or something like that, they're down one three, and the coach calls down there to the dugout and says, "Hey, get Melanson up." And the the pitching coach down there he says, "Hey, Melanson, uh, you're up." And Melanson goes, "Me? You know, I, because I've been pitching in the major leagues for 29 years, and I'm not <laughs> supposed to be pitching unless I have a lead in the ninth inning." I just think something like that happens. And I, I can't help but wonder why why the world managers do stuff like that. And there might be other other things that I just don't understand. I understand. I, I get it. They're smart. <laughs> I, I think I think, too, the thing is, too, um, I think, you know, like like you said, like, they, you know, it's going to more analytics and more um, managers are trying to make decisions and having less defined roles, more versatility, things like that. But I think managers sometimes i mean because i'm a, I'm a guy that's all for the analytics all for the odds the numbers i, I love that kind of thing but at the same time you also got to remember you're you're you are still dealing with human beings so you know just because 
the numbers say this, this, and this. The manager, eventually, at this point, the manager, one of their main roles should be to know your players and know know the mentality of your players and know like hey even if this one this this even if the odds say this is slightly better i know my guy and i know he's not going to thrive in this role and yeah. that, that can't be accounted for in the numbers so yeah. i think that's like super important from a manager standpoint because nobody else nobody else besides the players and the managers know those players the way they do so um you know that that's something that they got to do a better job of i think yeah, so, uh, stuff like that. Madden, whenever he was coaching the Cubs there towards the end, he started putting everybody at leadoff. I mean, I, I remember seeing Schwarber at leadoff, uh, Wilson Contreras at leadoff, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. I, I think even Kyle Hendricks one day when he was pitching uh, was batting leadoff that game for the Cubs. I, I mean, it's just crazy when you think about something like that. I, I actually, it didn't happen. Part of that didn't happen. But, I mean, you think about those things, and I think sometimes – coaches, our managers, outsmart the room just a little bit. I would love to have them participate in baby bowl so we could stomp all over some of them. Hey, NL West, Dodgers <laughs> are 20-9, and nine, San Diego 20-12, and 12, San Francisco 19-12, Arizona 17-15, and 15, and Colorado is 16-15. and 15. I would have thought the Dodgers would run away with this one. They've been on a long road trip, so that, I mean, they're 7-3 over their last 10, but I thought they were on a long road trip. It didn't affect them too much. They get some home cooking now here. I wonder if they're going to put some separation between them and the rest of the field. Yeah. So when I look at this division, the order seems pretty much correct to me or pretty close. Like those top three are going to be the top three that contend. Um, The Giants always just seem a way to get it done. Padres and Dodgers have been the two teams spending spending a lot of money to to compete. Um, It's funny because when you look at the 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 um, Dodgers are 20 and nine and the Padres are 20 and 12. But then you look at the run differential, the Dodgers are plus 78. Whereas the Padres are only plus eight. So even though they're only a game and a half back, the, that difference looks like it's a bit more when you when you look under the hood a little bit. And then the Giants are plus 40. Now, the, the thing that is surprising to me is I expected the, um, I expected both the Rockies and the Diamondbacks to be under 500. Um, I mean, they're still barely above 500 and they're in last and second to last place. But I just figure both of those teams by the end of the year are going to win 60 to 70 type of games. That's, that's just what I'm expecting out of them too. Yeah. Uh, give them time. Give them time, Rob. Give them time. Hey, let's <laughs> go over here to individual player statistics. And don't look, don't look, don't cheat. Don't okay. go ahead of me too much. Don't go ahead of me too much. Who is leading the league in at bats, Rob at bats. Everybody's sitting there or a little bit above 30 games at bats at bats. Let's see. Let's try to think of some, uh, Leadoff guys. There you go. I'll say, yeah, I'll I'll say, we'll go with since the Dodgers have a pretty big run difference. I'm going to go with Mookie Betts, just a guess. Uh, No, I think it's a pretty good guess, but you're absolutely wrong. Uh, Mookie Betts (laughs) is nowhere even in like the top whatever. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. Uh, He's not. He's not in the top whatever. Caesar Hernandez. With a mm. 141 at bats, Bo Bichette is second with 135, and Francisco Lindor at 129. Cesar Hernandez at 141. He's played 33 games, and like I said, everybody's there separated by just a couple of games. It, it's a lot of at bats. That guy's Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would not have expected that. I mean, especially trying to think of. I was just trying to think of high scoring teams, leadoff guys for high scoring teams, and Washington was not a team that came to mind. So, but yeah, I mean, I do. Rem- remember recently seeing that he had 
you know, a ton of at bats and a ton. Of, he had a pretty good amount of hits too. Thirty nine um, hits, thirty nine hits, which is which is pretty good, and uh, only nineteen runs though. Nineteen runs, an anemic offense of the Washington Nationals. I know it's surprising too because I know um, Soto. I'm pretty sure just hit a home run today, and I saw mm-hmm. he had like eight or nine home runs, but he only had like ten or eleven RBIs. Almost all of them were solo <laughs> shots. <laughs> it's just like it's crazy. Yeah, we gotta give Nelson Cruz too. I, another shot. Just give Nelson Cruz a shot of something in his back every time before mm-hmm. he goes out there. That's what we got. Uh, leading the league in runs, runs scored. I guess Rob here. Uh, who do you think that is? In runs. <sighs> I'm going to I'm going to go with Mookie. I know he was a few a few I know he was like a week or two ago. Um I don't know if they, someone passed him though. Now, Mookie has 108 at-bats, just to put that in perspective a little bit. Mookie's also only played 27 games, okay? So he's only played 27 games, a lot less than a lot of people, and he has 26 runs scored. One less than Manny Machado, who is leading oh, the league Manny with 27. Machado. Mike Trout's at 25. Uh, Bryce Harper's at 24. Otani's at 24. Uh, interesting to see those names. Soto is at 23. <laughs> <laughs> He's at 23. Runs scored with 11 RBIs. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's just so ridiculous. And then Josh Bell's at 22. Oh, what, what is this? What's going on here? Soto and then Bell, which are I think two and three in the in the batting order there. Bell two and Soto three. Uh, and then Cesar Hernandez leading off can't can't score. <laughs> uh, it's that's, that's it's so crazy, Be- especially because Soto and Bell are both hitting so well. Yep. You'd think that the guy ahead of them would be the one scoring. <laughs> Just Especially when he has a lot of hits. It's just, maybe, it's, yeah, it's, it's Maybe they crazy. ought to talk to each other a little bit more and say, hey, I'm going to get on base for you. You just hit me in. They got to get on the same page. Hits, hits. Rob Mighty Machado with 46 hits. Ty France with 41. That's a different name to be able to see up there at the front of the leaderboard on this. Alexander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Eric Hosmer. Uh, funny to see two guys there back-to-back at the top of the Boston lineup both with 40 hits, but yet they're in last place in that AL East. That's, that's, that's a little bit wild. Yeah, for sure. I, I gotta, I gotta say this too, right? Uh, the Manny Machado, the, going through these and seeing how good Manny Machado is doing, I knew he was doing great. It just hurts. It hurts every time I see it because, um, not that people are going to care too much about my league, but <laughs> in one of, one of, one of my leagues before the year, a keeper league, Uh-oh. uh, we can we can uh, keep three hitters and three pitchers. Okay, oh. so I had a I had I had uh, Harper, Mookie Betts, and then I also had Trevor Story and Tim Anderson, and we oh. can only keep we can only keep three. And I my pitchers were much worse than my hitters, so I I had to already throw one of the one of those hitters back. But someone offered me. Manny Machado, the guy who had Manny Machado, offered me Manny Machado. I had to give him Chris Sale, <laughs> and I turned it down. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It breaks my heart every time because I turned it down just knowing that if I took if I took the deal, I would be giving away Chris Sale and having to keep just some some pretty bad pitcher, and then I would have to throw back both Anderson and. Um, Trevor Story back into the pool because I could have, I would have kept Machado, Harper, and Mookie, um, and I could unless I unless I would have got another trade done, which I wouldn't have been able to because everyone else was pretty set. So I was like, I turned it down just thinking that even though I liked Machado more than Sale, I then was going to have to throw back two stud hitters 
for other people to get. Well, you know, the, the past is hurts. The past is for losers and cowards, Rob. That's why we live in the present. You cannot judge anything, although I am counting down the days for Rondo Franco to not be such a great player, okay? I am doing yeah. that because I know I traded him away, too. So <laughs> we can't, we can't. We got to live in the present. We got to live in the present. I'm second in one league and fourth in a different league and the fourth uh, in a different league that I'm in. Uh, the, one, the ones that count. I say ones that count. I'm in a lot of different. But uh, that's the one where I traded Wander Franco. So I just, Ooh. so, yeah, well, Man. I mean. Those ones, those ones are the ones that uh, you don't forget. Yeah, I, no, you don't. And unless you, especially if you come out victorious, and you can remind people about it. All right, leave the league in doubles. Matt Olson with fourteen doubles. Matt oh, Olson wow. doing yes, very good, very good there in the new team. Two sixty nine average, uh, eight thirty eight OPS. Very good for Matt Olson. I, I'm glad to see him continue to grow. I, I, all his mm-hmm. peripheral, peripherally. It's late. It's getting late, Rob. I woke up early. <laughs> Polyphery numbers uh, look really good coming into this season. I'm always a little bit nervous and hesitant on a person changing teams like that, and then mm-hmm. especially having to fill the big shoes of Freddie Freeman in in Atlanta. But he's doing a good job. Listen to this name. You know who's number two in doubles? Santiago uh, Espinal. Did I say it wow. right? Yeah, from Toronto. Yeah. Toronto yeah, and that, that guy, bottom of the order, one of the few pieces that you could probably get out there on the waiver wire that's in Toronto. And look, this kid, all that stuff that I that, that I just tried to say peripherally <laughs> numbers, uh, they look pretty good to me too on this guy. Yeah, he's been he's been. I'm looking at it now. He's he's been pretty solid. He's, and he's a uh, his average. I mean, he's got three steals, two homers, eleven runs, fourteen RBIs, twelve doubles, two sixty seven average. That's yeah, and like you said, he's probably on the wires in a lot of your fantasy leagues. So that that's that could be guy to uh, a cheap way to get a piece of that offense. Yeah, I think he's uh, second base and shortstop eligible. That's probably the reason why. Uh, but you can't. I mean, you can't find uh, very many good second basemen out there. <laughs> that's that's yeah, true. true. Hey, good, good to see Yuri Gurriel there uh, as well on top of the leaderboard of doubles because it means he still has a little bit of oomph, a little bit of oomph left in that bat. Mm-hmm. It's tri- I love watching triples. Triples really don't pay off unless you're playing FanDuel or something like that. But triple, Jazz, Chiselholm. I have zero shares of Jazz. I always wish I had more just because of the name, but I never end up, he never ends up on my team. Yep, same. I don't have any, I have zero across all my, I was, I was pretty worried about like the plate discipline. I felt like he was like, I felt like he was like the National League version of Adalberto Mondesi. That's yep. what I kind of was. And I and I didn't have any Alberto Mondesi either, and I, I I underestimated Jazz's power. I think um, I thought he was going to be less power, more steals, and I always get wary of those guys because um, just because it's it carries so much categorical risk, and by that I mean like basically that ultimately you're you're banking on those steals. So then when you draft, you you're you're drafting you know, that guy mostly for the steals and then you're drafting less steals elsewhere. So if they do go down, it's such a big hit in that category and you don't have the other players to make up for it because you weren't draft when you were drafting, you weren't like building a bunch of steals after that guy. Yeah. Um, so those are the type of guys I don't have a lot of. So jazz, Adalberto, Mondesi, um, I didn't get a lot of miles straw, things like that, guys like that. And I'm definitely regretting it too, because he's, he's off to a, a blazing start. 
Yep, over on home runs, Jordan Alvarez had two today, and he's sitting on top of that board at 10, Aaron Judge at 10. Byron Buxton, who hasn't hit a home run in a month, I don't think, is sitting there at 9, C.J. Crone at 9. I, I can't see Crone staying there. I know he's in with Colorado. He's just never been that – never, never a, a huge elevation on his ball whenever he ends up hitting him, Rob. Yeah, Crone's uh, a guy – I will admit I, I've, I've got Crone on a lot of teams. I, I've – Oh, he's great. Uh, great. Uh, yeah, I liked him, but he um, he's kind of more of a guy that he's going to give you. He's not going to. I don't think he. I agree with you. Like I don't think he's going to be around the league leaders. Like because I would expect forty ish. Um, by but I would I would expect him to be in the like the twenty eight to thirty two range is is kind of what I expect, and I I expect him to have decent counting numbers and probably a you know a pretty good pretty good average two seventy to two ninety in that range, especially in Colorado. Colorado. Most people think that power is boosted in Colorado, but really it's the average and the BABIP that that kind of gets boosted when you go to Colorado. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see him though banking the home runs and RBIs early. Rizzo, Stanton, and Mike Trout sitting there at nine, along with CJ Crone to round that out. RBIs uh, on top of the list of the RBIs. Jose Ramirez is still there with 30. Pete Alonso at 28. Rowdy Telez at 27. And Nardog at 26, along with Giancarlo Stanton at 26, Rob. Who, who's leading the league in walks? I know that that is on everybody's mind. It's a guy batting 138, Rob. A guy batting 138 with an OPS of 675. A guy with uh, three home runs uh and 87 at bats would you like to guess who that guy is 138 and it's leading the league in walks yeah wow because my my first guess would have been if you would have just asked me without saying the 138 i would i would have said juan soto um just knowing plate discipline but 138 and it's leading the league in walks and i guess he is first base second base third base eligible i would imagine First, second, and third. Okay, that takes out when you when you had said the eighty-seven at bats and it was a one thirty-eight average. I was kind of thinking Yasmani Grandal just because mm-hmm. it was a catcher with less. But first, second, and third eligible. Pretty sure triple eligibility. First, second, and third. Plays in the NL West. NL West. Cronenworth maybe. Max Muncy. Cronenworth's a good guess, but Max Muncy. Uh, Cronenworth's got Muncy. eighteen. Yeah, Muncie. I think he's first, second, third. Uh, he's he's hitting 138, but he's got 25 walks. <laughs> and Juan Soto is right there with 25. I should have gave you credit. He's not on top of the board. I don't know why. He's, uh, Muncie, maybe alphabetical? No, I don't know. I don't know. But Juan Soto is uh, tied with him with 25. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, Muncie. Muncie has always been a guy that has really good play discipline. Um, I'm surprised by the 138 average. Usually, usually he's scared. at least 220. But they're they're but, scared. They're scared. They're scared. I think I, I think so. That's and and plus and and you'd think though he would have. The thing is, I would have thought he would have walked a little bit less, knowing that the the lineup around him, yeah. and they would you know rather face, especially with he had that whole elbow issue heading into the year. Because Muncy's the long been a guy that I've mm-hmm. really liked in fantasy. Sure. But I avoided him this year just because he to me he wasn't healthy heading into the year, and those are the guys if they're for me is. Like I like to fade guys who are currently hurt. Um, so he was he was a guy who was heading into the year hurt, and so I kind of faded him. But yeah, twenty five walks, yeah. tied for the league, league. It's pretty pretty wild. 
Stolen bases, Julio Rodriguez, that rookie, is tearing it up out there. He's got 10. Jorge Mateo, who hit a home run today, by the way. He's got nine. Kyle Tucker with eight. Eight, eight for Kyle Tucker, that little weasel. I kept trying to get him. I couldn't ever get a good trade uh, for him. Harrison Bader, seven steals. He's pro- he, he's on a lot of waiver wires out there. I don't, I don't, I mean, I understand 242 average, and he kind of gets caught up in the St. Louis offense a little bit there, but not not bad for seven steals. Tommy Edmond as well with seven seals i think that that is st louis's mantra nowadays is to run 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 rob yeah they're kind of like the uh royals of the national league and uh you know those those but yeah they're they're uh bader is definitely a guy like you said that might be on some wires that you pick up tucker was the guy I, i'm with you i i when he started off the year so rough i went and just offered in every league i could to try to get him i i was huge on him heading into the year um People, I think people are under, underestimating the steal potential too, because um, I actually saw Twitter just a couple hours ago. I think it was Frank Amarante was mm-hmm. uh, giving credit to Michael Salfino about about the um, the potential of Tucker's steals because he had like four or five, I think, in the postseason, and that didn't show up, you know, in his oh. year-long stats. But Salfino was pointing out that those are competitive games and they're, they're sending him. Um, why would they just stop sending him all of a sudden? And, and that's, that's paid off in a big way. And then plus, you know, he's a guy with power too. And, and, and a good average. And the crazy mm-hmm. part with Julio Rodriguez to me is that he wasn't even supposed to be this big steel guy. And he had such a, such a good swing and a, powerful swing and he started off the year so rough too and now he's up to a 254 average he had a mammoth shot you know a week or two ago um and he's leading the league in steals i mean this guy once he starts really really developing and i think they moved him up to third in the lineup recently too yeah yeah. um i mean this guy's going to be a fantasy stud for years once he really gets going I think so too. Uh, and, and, you know, I talked about Houston being one of those teams that seemed like their philosophy was not to run in Kyle Tucker's mm-hmm. uh, running. So I don't know. Let's, let's, let's move that over to Jose Pena as well. I, I think that's the thing. Hey, Fran Mill Reyes is leading the league in strikeouts, Rob. 48 strikeouts in 105 at bats. That's, that's a, almost a 50 50 shot right there to strike him out every time. Eugenio, 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 is he uh, Suarez? What's his name? Uh, oh, Eugenio. from uh, Seattle, Eugenio. Eugenio. It's Eugenio <laughs> to me right now. It's, it's 930. <laughs> it's Eugenio to me. Hey, Suarez in Seattle with 42 strikeouts. Swanson. Dansby Swanson and Adam Duvall are right there in that 40 range of strikeouts as well. We got to get them heated up there for Atlanta, the World Series champion. Okay. I, I skipped over Patrick Wisdom on purpose, Rob. Okay. I just yeah, want to see that one. The, yeah. Plus he was, he was sent down too, right? Who? Wisdom? No, that was Schwindall. Oh, that was Fred. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I get those two mixed up so much. I don't know. I don't know why, but yeah, Frank Frank Schwindel and uh, Patrick Wisdom. I I get those two mixed up. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. Neither one. Uh, I actually, I got I got Wisdom on one of my fantasy teams. He's triple eligibility, and they go 
pop that ball here in the summertime. All right. Hey, Rob, uh, good job so far walking through the baseball player's stats a little bit and standings. As always, you never disappoint me, and you never disappoint any of your Twitter followers either. At Norton0723, the daddy of the baby bowls, where you can find him on Twitter. At Norton0723 is is uh, his handle over there. You can follow me as well, at Loafing It over on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show. At FI Today, with a little underscore, you can use the FI Today uh, code to fill in for prize brackets of uh, prize brackets, prize picks over there on an app. Good app. Good app to use. Easy to use. Even an old man like me could use it, Rob. And one of the things that they had was NFL futures on there. And I wanted to pick your brain about these passing yard futures. Uh, and I just want to see if if what, how many how many passing yards you think these players are going to have going into the season. We'll compare it to what prize picks has, and I will place a wager here tonight on whether on, on what we have concluded we will do. So let's go over to uh, Pro Football Reference. We'll go to passing stats, the 2021 passing stats. Let's go over to yards. It's already highlighted. I don't know why. It just can read my mind. Do you, do you think Google can read your mind, Rob? I think so. I think so. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I just get the little swirly thing all the time. Whenever I'm trying to go to pages, it's reading my mind, and it realizes there's nothing. That, all right, uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, let's see what he have last year, 2021 season. He had 5,014 passing yards, Rob. 672 attempts. This is how I kind of break it down. Tell me where my fault is. I, I look at the attempts, okay, and I look at the yards per attempt. What seven and a half okay. yards per attempt? All right, I, I I could look at completions and yards per completion, but I think that attempts are more important than completions, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's opportunities, and completions don't always give us the opportunities that lay before us. I agree. Yeah, I kind of I I think yards per attempt are kind of a little bit better to look at as well. Okay, so Justin Herbert, five thousand fourteen yards uh, last season. The Chargers. A little bit better or a little bit worse, do you think, this year? Um, that's the thing. Is I, I, I feel like every year I want to say a little bit better than they were the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say a little bit better. They were 9-8 and eight last year. Um, they're constantly a team, I think, that, like, it seems like they always, you know, everyone always says Chargers going to charge because they – seem like they blow games at the end of at the end of the game sure. um, and they always seem to finish around 500 but um i think another year of development for herbert uh he looks like a franchise quarterback so i i expect them to go 10 and 7 or better so did they lose mike williams did he stay there did he lose did he leave he stayed i believe okay Okay, so they got the same core group there, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can see 670. I mean, there was only two quarterbacks last year that finished above 5,000 passing yards. Uh, Justin Herbert was one of them, and Tom Brady was the other at 53-16. Do you think he'll still hover around that 5,000-yard mark? Do you think he'll go less? Do you think he'll go more? I, I don't personally think that the game plan is going to change all that much. I don't, I don't, I don't know why it would. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he'll be right around that 5,000 mark again, um, especially in 17, if he plays 17 fully healthy games. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking at him right around that 5,000 mark. I agree with you. I, I don't see it changing very much. I don't see it going down uh, very far. Maybe maybe he'll come up a little bit short at 4,900, but I bet you, I bet you he, he's got his eye going, you know what? 
I'm going to be like one of those quarterbacks that throw for 5,000 yards every single time. It just Justin Herbert looks like he's a 5,000-yard quarterback too, doesn't he? He does. He definitely does. Prize picks has this at 4,750. Uh, 4,750 passing yards, Rob. I got to go over that, don't you? Yeah, they're definitely tempting you to take the over, that's for sure. Yeah, that's it's for sure. Scary, scary now, looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. All right, so if I today, uh, over there on the bonus little thing, it get, you put that in there, it's going to match your deposit, and we are going to take Justin Herbert. I'm taking Justin Herbert. I think you should take Justin Herbert. Rob concluded you should take Justin Herbert without even knowing those passing yards. All right, next one we're looking at, Rob, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford last year threw for 4,886 yards, 601 attempts. He still has Cooper Cup. He has upgraded to Allen Robinson. He lost a little bit of Robert Woods. We can anticipate at some point, I think, Odell coming back to the team. Not anytime soon, but Odell coming back to the team. And everybody else just kind of has stayed the same, right? Am I missing yeah. out? That's what it, yeah, that's what it seems like. It seems... seems uh... Like you should, uh, I, I think you're 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 right on there. Uh, Robert Woods, though, missing him compared to Allen Robinson. You know me; I was not a big Allen Robinson fan. I, I'm not a big Allen Robinson fan. I kind of mm. everybody always says, "Well, if you had a good quarterback, hey, guess what? We say that about every single quarterback he has. Maybe it's Allen Robinson. Maybe it's not the quarterbacks. I've never seen Allen Robinson get more than two yards of separation." Maybe that's a hindrance to the quarterback. Maybe that's why Allen Robinson has to make such incredible catches because he can't get separated from the defensive backs. That's my theory. That's my philosophy. Maybe we'll see what happens this year because we can't blame it on Matthew Stafford anymore. It's going to have to be Allen Robinson's fault if he can't get open. That is true. Um, Robinson's like a – he's an interesting one because I, I, I had long been a big fan of his, and I, I was like – I I loved the fact that he was getting so many targets, so many catches, putting up big numbers in spite of, you know, Blake Bortles and those guys. Um and then last year was just a brutal year. I don't know and I, I don't know if it was just not healthy, not interested. I don't know what was going on or if he just really actually got to a point where he lost a step and like you said, he was never a big separator as as is, so when you lose a step when you're already not having too much of a step on someone else, that's that it, we're going to find out this year. Cause like you said, Stafford's a good quarterback. So we're going to see what he can do with Stafford. And definitely not a downhill threat or, you know, downfield threat at all. Uh, eight yards per attempt for Stafford last year, 600 attempts. Robbie had 4886. You thinking that's going up or going down this year? Um, I just, I would have to guess down, um, Unless they unless they throw more, um, but the eight point one yards per attempt is is fairly high. Anytime the guy has over eight, um, really over seven and a half, I'm kind of regressing it a little bit back down to um, closer to seven and a half. So yeah, I would put him around forty seven fifty, yeah, forty seven hundred in that range. I agree, and and I don't think I don't without Robert Woods there. I think that's a little bit less. I, you know what I mean? And and Odell's not coming back till the halfway point. I and, and unless Allen Robinson is going ahead and having breakfast with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, I just don't think it's going to be quite the bond there. I'm going to have to say it's a little bit less too. Uh, let's see here what Prize Picks has. Forty-seven hundred by Prize Picks, Rob. Forty. 
I can't go either way on that one. <laughs> That'd be tough. I if I if I had to pick, I would just pick the under, um, just because there's so much. I like I said, if it whenever it's close, even if I think the guy, even if I would project the guy for a little bit more than that, I would still probably bet the under just because if the guy gets hurt at all, if he misses even yeah. even a game, I mean that's that's that hurts that total. So, um, if I'm right around that number, I'm I'm taken under anytime. Ooh, that's a that's a, that's a good thought right there. Uh, because Matthew Stafford has a tendency to get hurt a little bit. He didn't. Boy, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good. One. I can't do it though. All right. Uh, the, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is our next guy. Patrick Mahomes. He finished with four thousand eight hundred thirty nine uh, passing yards last season. Six hundred fifty eight attempts. He had with a seven point four yards per attempt. Of course, we know he lost Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey is still there. Uh, he also lost, uh, uh, you know, one of those other prolifery. Uh, why do I keep trying to say the word if I'm having a tough time saying the word, Rob? Uh, one of his <laughs> other weapons, uh, I think, went to my Bears even. I can't remember his name. Not Hardman. He, the other guy, whatever the other guy's name was that was there. You remember? Oh, are you talking? Uh... Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the little speedster. They had. Uh, he went over to my Bears, and so they still have Hardman, uh, Tyreek Hill, and then they dra- they drafted somebody too to try and take that position, right? Well, I know they. Yeah, they drafted Sky Moore, and then they yeah. they um, signed MVS, mm-hmm. and then Juju. Okay. Well, that's a lot of weapons. That's a lot of weapons for Kansas City. Uh, Pierre and I haven't done that uh, that 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 division yet. That's why I'm unfamiliar with everybody that they have. There's a lot of a lot of changes, Rob. A lot of changes. Yeah. If you put me in, I could tell you every receiver on eight, 1985 Tecmo Bowl, but I can't tell you who's playing wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> I, a lot of weapons. I wonder if they're going to spread that ball out more instead of solidifying, you know, just just concentrating it on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like they have done over the last couple of years. That that's an interesting one when you look at that total. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I kind of expect him to be right around that number. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's hits the five thousand plus. I mean, he's shown he's shown upside for more. It's it's interesting because without Tyreek, you're instantly just thinking Tyreek's a you know a game breaker. That yep. um, maybe that number goes down, but then they did add some solid pieces at least, um, and then also. You could take into account that they went 12 and five. Um, that division got better. Um, that that division looks just really good in general. So maybe maybe the games are they maybe they lose a, a few more games, which could mean that he needs to pass a little bit more than usual, which could bump the total just the total volume up. So I would guess right around 4,800. Okay, I think I think that's a good I, I think that's a good spot to have it at 4800. And not only that, if you think about it, one of the things Andy Reid loves to do is to be contrarian to everybody. You know, he's one of those managers or those uh, coaches that outthink the room a little bit. And when he when everybody's doubting, you know, since they lost Tyreek Hill, he's going to want to come up and put 5,000 yards in, in mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes' repertoire there. All right, so I think 4800. They got Patrick Mahomes. At forty six hundred, Rob. Ooh, wow, that's one I would take over. 
We're going over on that one. That's right. Use the FI Today code, and you too should go over. We got that guy. We got Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow uh, right there uh, coming off the loss. Aren't they supposed to fail? Cincinnati's supposed to fail this year because they lost the Super Bowl, right? He had 46-11 and 11 for passing yards. He had a couple of big games last season. Second year, knee hurt. Remember all those uh, scenarios that were going? There were the narratives that were being pushed at the beginning of the year. Interesting how many attempts he had, Rob, compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. 520, and he passed for 4,611 yards. Look at his yards per attempt, Rob. That's Eight, crazy. 8.9. That's almost nine yards per attempt. Where's he going, Rob? What Up or down or, or what? He's such an interesting one because the year before, when he was a rookie and he only played, you know, half the games before getting hurt, they were pacing. He was like pacing to throw the most passes in the NFL. And then last year, they come out and they're, you know, all of a sudden a great team. And because, I mean, obviously the year before, they were coming off of being the worst team. And so they were projecting for a ton of passes. Then last year, they only throw the 520. Go ten and six, get to the Super Bowl. His his completion percentage was higher than all those guys too. Yeah, look at 70. that. Yeah, 70%. yeah. It's like I I don't know because I I think the completion percentage goes down. I think the yards per attempt go down. So you just think the yards would go down, but then I also think that they may not be as good as they were last year in general, and maybe the, the attempts themselves go up. So it could be an offset. I would still take the yards to go down though. I would put it at more like. 4,400, maybe 45, 44, 45 in that range. He, he only played 16 games, though, last year. 16 mm-hmm. games because he missed that one game. He threw for 288 yards per game, 288. So if we were to put him in for 17 games, which looks like a lot of the quarterbacks ended up playing 17 games, that would almost be 4,900 yards right there uh, if he plays 17 games. Yep. Boy. I, I, so you're thinking a little bit lower, maybe a little bit. I, yeah, I I still would I would still put the that eight point nine yards and that seventy percent completion <laughs> so, rate seems unrepeatable. It seems like regression is coming. Yeah, I would I, I would if I would had to set the number offhand without really diving deep, I, I would say forty four fifty is what the number I would put. No way, that's way too low, Rob. That's way too yeah. low. There's well, I mean, he's one game short. He's he's. If you had that, if he had played 17 games and that that number said 4,900, I I could see you go. I could see you trying to sell me at 4,700. I can see I can see that, and I'd probably say, yeah, you know, I could see that too because he can't repeat those some of those stats. I don't know if I can go all the way down to 44. I I mean I I 40 45 is probably realistic because. I just think with that 8.9 is so crazy. And then the, not, not only that, but like he, the 70% completion percentage. I mean, he could be a good completion percentage guy, but I mean, Brady, Brady, who is known for completion percentage, 67.5, Stafford, 67.2, Carr, who's Carr has long been a guy that's just like super accurate with 68.4, Burroughs, 70.4. I mean, I would put him down say to 67 percent and you're knocking off some completions there which will knock off yards and you you lower the average the yards per attempt down by a yard and then you're talking about yeah i know that if you just if you lower just the just the yards per attempt down from 8.9 to 7.9 
which is still really good, you're taking off 500 plus yards. Just that. Ooh, that's yeah. that's 45. Okay. Or you're selling that, me. Yeah, you're so it's, it's it's tough. It's he's he, but that's why in the beginning I was saying it's he's one of the toughest ones because he also has some of the best weapons too. I mean, when you have Chase Higgins, Boyd, that offense is so good. I mean, it's just it's he's he's such a hard guy for me to value in general, both in terms of fantasy and just like his his prop numbers because it's just such outliers up and down, and which ones are going to be the ones that hold more than the others is really the question. You know, something else, uh, the second, the, the person with the second highest yards per attempt in, in this page anyway, Jimmy Garoppolo. And <laughs> if you think about how those offenses are similar as far as getting the ball in a weapon's hands right around mm-hmm. that line of scrimmage, you know what I mean? And yep. and maybe it's that little shovel pass forward or something like that. I don't know how far the yards per, te- per, per attempt are going down. I don't know. It's, right, po- well, it's possible. 4,400 is where you're at. I'm a little bit higher. They have him at forty six fifty. You would confidently go under that. To me, I'm I'm sticking right there where it is. I I can't do either one. We talked too much about it. We both see scenarios uh, all over the map on this one. We can't agree. So I'm going to say we stay away from Joe Burrow. But that's at forty six fifty, Rob. And if you are as vehement as you are about uh, forty four hundred, you would have that one banked. All right. Yeah, I would. I would. I would take the under. But that's just. Part of it, part of it too, is I'm always looking for the value on the unders. To be honest, like if I if I ever am, sure. have the ability to bet these, I I try to bet the unders, just knowing that they're generally more likely to hit. If and that's why, if a guy is even close to it, mm-hmm. I'll bet the under. Or if I or if I think if I project the guy to be under then I definitely really want to take the under. So, yeah, he, Burrow, unfor- even, and the bad thing is I, I like Burrow. I like the Bengals, honestly. I, I mean, last year I was hyping Mixon so much. I love Chase, love Higgins, love, I've always loved Boyd. So don't really want to be right about that one. Um, so. I've given you an eye roll as you've loved the Bengals too much. All right, let's go to Dak Prescott. I'm sure all those Ohio fans, the Cleveland Brown fans, are wondering if Rob has turned away from the Cleveland Browns or not. Hey, uh, Dak Prescott is another guy. We've got three or four more guys here to go, so we got to speed this up a little bit, Rob. Uh, Dak Prescott here. He had 4,449 passing yards, 596 attempts, only played in 16 of the 17 games last season, and it looks like he has a yards per attempt of 7.5, 7.5 yards per attempt. Lost the big weapon, Amari Cooper. Uh, how are we going to do this? How, how, where, how, you know, 4,500 yards approximately. Is he going up? Is he going down? I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I would say... Close to that, I I, w- I would actually probably put his forty five to forty six. I don't expect the Dallas defense. The Dallas defense last year was yeah good, but but they were they were opportunistic. They they yep. scored a lot of touchdowns. So the thing is, is like that's kind of something that I'm not going to expect to go over year to year um, defensive touchdowns. And so if they're not scoring those defensive touchdowns, if they're not getting all those picks, um, the other team may score more or just the fact that if they get the picks or the turnovers, then the offense is going to have to score. So um, I expect him to have to throw a little bit more. And um, so I'd put him right about like 45, 4,600. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Just looking at other quarterbacks that are here, 
the total yards for them. Um, looking at the injury thing too, just just thinking about it, Dak never. So yeah, I I, I would agree with you. They, they got him at forty six hundred. I, mm-hmm. I I don't want to. I, I don't think I can go either way on that one. If I would, I think Man. I would go under. If anything, I would go under. Yeah, that's that's fair too. I I I. That's that's one where I'm like too close, and I I don't. I would be one that I would stay away from personally, just because I I'd, I'd want to go over. I I think they could go over because they they've always had that like explosive offense. Mm-hmm. But I I just I also don't want to bank on them throwing that much and i also don't want to bank on a full season of health so it's just like it's 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 a tough one i would i would avoid that one one of the front runners for mvp josh allen is next he had 4400 passing yards 4407 actually to be exact 4400 passing yards 646 attempts he had a 6.8 yards per attempt drop i could almost see that one going up a little bit Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, compared to the rest of the field, he might have to go up a little bit. He's at forty four hundred. He played all the games. He probably took every single snap. The guy does not get hurt. Uh, where did we see Josh Allen this year? I, I think he up- upgraded in his weaponry, too, a little bit. No more Cole Beasley. No more Emmanuel Sanders. So that means Gabe Davis is going to get some more run. I think they got Crowder there. Yep, that's right. Um yeah, I like I like Josh Allen fantasy wise and mm. and for for this too. And he um he's long been a guy that's the you know the completion percentage is is generally a bit lower. Um, but they throw they throw the ball a lot, so uh, the volume makes up for it. And plus, obviously, he runs a lot too. So um, there is that, and I, I think that's part of why his yards per attempt stay a little bit lower is because the completion percentage is lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I would say his yards per temp will probably come up a little bit. I could see him about seven, seven point one in that Plus range. His completion I could, percentage too, right? Yeah, his completion percentage could go up a little bit. I'd, I'd put him right around forty five, forty four, forty five hundred. Um, which it sounds weird to say that you'd put him a little bit lower than some of these guys, but then then also say he's like the number one fantasy quarterback. But then you got to keep it a Keep in mind that they're just a high-scoring team, and he runs and runs around the goal line a lot. So, okay, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm sorry, to, I'm trying to compute all that too. It's <laughs> tough because you think about those, and you think that at some point, and I've always, you know, they always say it going into the season, and then you get in the middle of games, and you're like, Josh, you got to win this one for us, you know. So he's got to go out there and do Josh Allen things. But at some point, Josh Allen things like the running and the jumping and the leaping and all those, it's got to take a step backwards. And you kind of want to be out ahead of that a little bit as he throws the ball more. A pretty, a, a, a better, more accurate passer last year than what he was. And I wonder if this year they're going to try to replicate what we saw him do last season in the playoffs by, and even towards the end of the season by getting Isaiah McKenzie a little bit more involved around the line of scrimmage, kind of in that Debo role. I know I, at least that what, that's what it reminded me of a little bit or that Cordero Patterson role. So I wonder if those uh, yards per attempt are going to go up just simply because of that too. That's, that's yeah. I, I, I could see that too. Like, um, they could be a lot more creative in how they use, use guys. And it seems like they also, um, drafted James cook too, which, oh, yeah. which, uh, they talked about how they want to use him more in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how those numbers, but I definitely, definitely like Josh Allen. I think, um, uh, I think, 
you know, 4,400 is like a baseline. I put it kind of more at 4,500. Yeah, well, they got him. Prize Picks has him right at 4,500, Rob. So it was <laughs> much to do about nothing because I'm not going over that. I'm not going under that yep. or nothing. Here's here's two more. We got two more. Uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray sitting at three. Oh, he only played 14 games last season, 7.9 yards per attempt, almost eight, which which we both talked about as being really high. Uh, not going to have Hopkins at the beginning of the year. I don't. Uh, it seems like he lost somebody. Who he lost that guy to the Jaguars, didn't he? He was. Did yeah, Christian Kirk. He, yeah, Christian Kirk, the the thirty million dollar player or whatever he is per season now. Whatever it is, I have no idea. I I, I turned the TV off whenever I saw his price. Like I said, I'm not. <laughs> he had a completion percentage of sixty nine percent, almost seventy percent, which is very high. Everything is high. Everything is high except games played and his yards. Thirty seven eighty seven. Thirty seven eighty seven. Rob, is he going to be able to improve on that going into the season? Disgruntled as he is. No Hopkins, no Kirk. I, I don't know. That, that looks about right. <laughs> I know, and it makes me sad because I'm I've long been a wow. huge, huge Kyler Murray fan. So I do think he's a great. I honestly think he's a great quarterback. A lot of people don't think so, um, but we're just when you look at his numbers all around, like you said, 69 completion percentage. I guarantee. I, I'm sure most people when they talk about Kyler Murray and they think about how he's running around all the time and scrambling and everything else. I don't think anyone would have expected that his completion percentage would be so high. His yards per attempt would be so high. Um, Touchdown to interception ratio, really, really pretty good, especially in 14 games. So Mm -hmm. I think he is a much better passer than people give him credit for just because they know he's so fast. Um, But yeah, that's the thing. When you have a guy, like you said, that's disgruntled, Hopkins suspended for the first six games, you got, um, he, he also is smaller. He gets banged up a little bit and he also, you know, he does run around so much. So anytime he runs, that's not, that's taking away from passing yardage. Um, so in a full 17 games, I'd probably put him like right at 4,000. Yeah. I, I was thinking 4,200 tops. I mean, that's, I, I was looking, I was trying to think of the ceiling. I'm going 4,200 tops, tops. Yeah. That's, that's like tops. And, but you're right. 4,000. Seems far more reasonable. Uh, let's see here. Prize Picks has him at 4,000 yards, Rob. Boy, we are pretty good. What, what yeah. are we doing here? Pretty good. <laughs> Last one. Last one. Maybe the toughest one. Maybe Ooh. the easiest. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 59% completion percentage. <laughs> 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I was really surprised. It was only 17 interceptions. I thought it was going to be more than 17 yeah. interceptions. I really did. A six yards per attempt last season. Played in all 17 games. They finished 3-14. and 14. You know he had to throw the ball a lot. Threw it 602 times last year. Only ended up with 3,641 yards. Rob, they brought in a lot of weapons. He has a new offense back there. But is anything going to change in year two from year one? So he's he's a tough one because he's supposed to be this generational talent, and he came in and struggled badly. A lot of it, I mean, I think a lot of people are chalking a lot of it up to Urban Meyer. Um 
I don't know. I really don't know what to expect out of them. Um, I expect things to go up because I don't really think they, <laughs> they it, can't go down. If they, yeah, if they get worse, then it's if it gets worse <laughs> this year, then they just they, they got to cut bait basically. Yeah, if at that point, if it gets worse for Lawrence, they got to realize this guy's not it. So hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Because yes, it, it doesn't seem like it can go much further, right? It can't go any right. further down, right? It it just it just can't unless he doesn't play that amount of games. Because we look down here, we got all these stats pulled up in front of us right now, and we see some players with 11, 12, 14 games who all threw for less yards than Trevor Lawrence. So they all have an excuse. Trevor Lawrence has an excuse of Urban Myers and and, and a terrible season in Jacksonville, tumultuous season in Jacksonville. What's Carson Wentz's excuse? He threw for less yards than Trevor Lawrence, right? And, and now he's supposed to be the savior going to the Washington football team or whatever they're called this year. Uh, Rob, what, what is Carson Wentz's excuse? He doesn't, he doesn't have one. <laughs> I guess the only uh, excuse he, he can use is the fact that he can say that the, the coaches just wanted to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor 30 times a game. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you're it's right. Just, yeah. That's the it, only like, thing he can, he can really hang his hat on. 516 attempts. So yes, you're you're right. Okay, back to Trevor Lawrence. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, with Lawrence, I do think he's still going to throw it. If he plays all 17 games, I still think he's going to throw 600 times. Um, I would expect that completion percentage to jump up a little bit. Um, I'd expect the yards per attempt to jump a little bit. Six, six. I, I would put attempts. it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's rough. <laughs> I. I <laughs> I would put the number. I guess I would put the number thirty nine hundred or four thousand. If I was, yeah. If he's not throwing, I don't know. Yeah. Mac Jones threw for thirty eight hundred. Is he going to be able to replicate Mac Jones? And Mac Jones had a great year last year, according to. Yeah, and Mac Mac threw eighty less passes, so it's like if 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 Lawrence is. If Lawrence can do what Mac could do and throw eighty more passes than him, he should be able to get to four thousand. You but. know who had? You, you know who was just barely above Trevor Lawrence for yards per completion was Ben Roethlisberger, who can't who couldn't throw the ball. Oh, yeah, six point two. I mean, okay, so we'll put we'll thirty nine hundred, thirty eight hundred. Boy, that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah, I I would put it at okay. thirty nine hundred. Okay, thirty nine hundred. I agree. Not not. Breaking four thousand. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you, Trevor. Uh, Thirty-nine fifty is where Prize Picks has it at, and so I am not. I'm, I'm comfortable leaving it right there, Rob. I can't. We can't do either one of those. We only found two locks. The Justin Herbert at forty-seven fifty. I think we're going over that one. We think that he can throw for five thousand yards. Patrick Mahomes at forty-six hundred. Uh, we both think that he could throw for five thousand yards. Um, I I wasn't comfortable in doing any of the other ones at all. Uh, I don't think I I, I don't think I was. So I'm going to finalize this entry. I'm going over and I am going over and I am going to put a wager. I don't, you know, the cheapest bet you could do is five, five. So I'm putting five to win 15. I am power playing that one. And I just placed an entry, Rob. I just placed an entry. I will be happy to buy you a cup of coffee from a gas station <laughs> if we win. Okay. Okay, I'll have to hold you to it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm next sure. Next time I see you. <laughs> uh, that's over on Prize Picks right there. Don't forget to use the code FI today. Rob will go over some of those other things uh, later on in the time. I appreciate your time tonight, young man. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun talking talking uh, sports with you. Talking shop. Talking shop. Look forward talking to the Baby Bowl later on this year as well. Don't forget to follow Rob Norton over on Twitter at Norton0723. Follow the show as well at FI Today with a little underscore. And you can follow me on Twitter at Loafinit over on Twitter. And don't forget to sign up over there on Prize Picks with the code FI Today, and they will match your deposit 100%. They will match it, and you can also put down uh, those kind of over and unders just like we did here tonight. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, we want to encourage you to go out and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.